Hey Moth family, save the date for the Moth main stage on Saturday, February 27th at 7.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Join us and host Jonathan Ames for an evening of stories as five storytellers take the virtual stage and share a true personal tale from their life. Stories of glory and defeat, taunting fate, laughing in the face of danger, and the moments that forever changed the course. Buy tickets now at themoth.org slash virtual mainstage. Welcome to The Moth Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy. When it comes to big cities, it seems like there's always been this unspoken difference or divide between New York and L.A. Some of you may know that The Moth started here in New York City, but what you may not know is that Los Angeles was actually the second city to host a Moth Story Slam. And when it comes down to it, maybe the two cities aren't actually as different as they seem. Both places are full of transplants trying to make it in the big city. And just like New York, L.A. is not always an easy place to live. Man, it sure seems like it is from 3,000 miles away. I have lived in New York for the last 20 years. I was born and raised in California. I always think L.A. has got to be easier. But every time I get there, I realize we're all people and life is life. And it's going to find us wherever we are. And it only takes one visit to be reminded of that. So this week, we're going to hear a couple of Los Angeles stories about moving in and fitting in. First up is this one from Brian Kett. Brian told this story at our L.A. Story Slam, and the theme of the night was culture shock. Here's Brian Kett. Hi. All right, so uh, when I feel lonely, I go for long walks. And my first year in Los Angeles, I walked so much that I had to resole my shoes uh, two different times. Uh, you know, I, it was just, it, LA felt so foreign to me. You know, it's a, it's a tough city and, and back in Chicago I knew tons of people and out here I knew uh, hardly anyone. And uh, I missed humans. And what made my day to day even harder was that I, I worked from home writing medical brochures about, you know, diabetes and catheters. And uh, <laughs> some days my biggest human interaction would be when I would hear my very loud neighbors screaming through the walls. You know, I didn't know if they were fighting or, or celebrating. And so I was just in this island in my apartment. And when my landlord dropped off my lease to be renewed for the following year, uh, I was hesitant. You know, uh, I, I felt like I needed a, a sign, some sort of human connection to convince me to stay, to show me that LA, you know, wasn't so foreign. And so I, I set the lease aside and I, I went to work from a coffee shop for the day. And at the coffee shop, I tried to engage with the barista. And I said, hey man, what kind of pastry is your favorite? <laughs> and, and he just stared at me. He gave me no response. And so I picked out a croissant that sucked. And I sat down next to this woman on her laptop. And when I asked if I could share her electrical outlet with her, it was like I was asking her for a kidney or something. There was, there was so much disdain. And it was then and there I decided that I was done. I was done with Los Angeles. And so for the rest of the day, I just sat in silence and I wrote about how catheters can cause bacterial infections. <laughs> Doing a few hours of that reminded me that I was out of shower soap at home. And so that evening I packed up and I walked over to Albertsons and Albertsons was slammed. Everybody in Los Feliz was there shopping at the same time. And it was, it was so crowded. It took me so long to even get back to where the soap was that by the time I did, I was really fed up. And I decided that I, I deserved a treat, damn it. 
And so uh, I, I picked up some chocolate milk because I'm, I'm an adult. And I went to the checkout line, I set down the soap next to the chocolate milk, and this woman in front of me who had really big hair turned and looked back at me and she scoffed, she gave me a dirty look, and I, I knew why, clearly. It's because if you buy one item, that's an errand, right? But if you buy two items, everybody assumes you're somehow gonna use just those two items concurrently. And she gave me this real nasty look, like she just knew I was gonna go home and drink the milk when I was all lathered up in the shower like a, like a pervert. And so I just pushed her out of my mind and I focused on how I was gonna pack up my apartment. But that's when someone behind me tapped me on the shoulder. And I turned around and it was the oldest woman in Los Angeles. <laughs> she had this face like a dried apple and she was wearing a plastic babushka even though it hadn't rained in like months. And she was saying something I really couldn't make out as she was unloading vegetables that I'd never even seen before onto the conveyor belt. And I thought she was a crazy person. You know, that's fine. And there's a businessman in line behind her and I tried to engage with him. And I gave him a look that said like, you know, this lady, am I right? And he gave me no response. He, he gave me the old barista treatment. And so before I turned away from her, I kind of realized, you know what? Here's a human who wants to interact with you. And you know, beggars can't be choosers. Maybe she's not crazy. So I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she was saying, how do you cook the dinosaurs? And I thought, damn it, you know? But she wasn't saying cook, it was cook. So it was, how do you cook the dinosaurs? And then she continued and she said, if my grandchildren do not want, I do not want to waste. And from her cart, she pulled out a small plush stegosaurus and a small plush Tyrannosaurus Rex that she had gotten in the toy aisle. She set them next to, down to her vegetables and she said, so, so how do you cook? And she wasn't crazy. She was the most adorable woman in Los Angeles. And I said, you know what, ma'am? Normally I broil my brontosaurus. <laughs> And she let out this great laugh that sounded like clucking. But that's when it happened. The, the big-haired woman in front of me leaned in and she said, last week, Velociraptor was on special. It was delicious. So the three of us are enjoying this wonderful moment of humanity out of nowhere. And then the businessman gets in on it. And the businessman says, you know, normally I deep fry my dinosaurs even though I know it isn't good for me. And the four of us are just in it, and it's amazing, and it's lovely. And then the cashier cleared his throat, because the big-haired woman had to pay. We all snapped to attention, our fun was over. But then the cashier leaned across the, the conveyor belt, and he said, Albertsons has the tastiest brand of dinosaur. Because the Albertsons brand of dinosaur comes with its own stuffing. And, Everyone broke out in these smiles. And so the big hair woman paid and she went on her way. And then I paid for my milk and my soap that I wasn't gonna do anything perverted with. And I turned to the old woman and I said, I really hope you enjoy your dinosaurs if your grandchildren don't. And she beamed. And I left there feeling a part of something larger. Because this human connection, it's all around us. It's even when we're not looking for it. And it's even in these seemingly insignificant moments. It's even in Albertsons, you know, it's even in Los Angeles which didn't suddenly seem so foreign. And so when I got home, I took a shower with soap. And then afterwards, I poured myself a big glass of chocolate milk. And then I sat down and I re-signed my lease. Thanks. That was Brian Kett. 
Brian is an award-winning teacher, writer, and storyteller from Chicago who now lives in Los Angeles. And every week, he tries to solve the Sunday puzzle on NPR. The end of this month will mark five years of living in Los Angeles for Brian. And when we followed up with him, he had this to say, quote, I'm so happy to say that I've found my community here. Over the last five years, I've met so many kind, caring, and creative people. And all of that has come about from being open to whatever opportunities have presented themselves. The other evening, I was sitting on a rooftop with some friends, having a beer, and watching the sun set over the traffic, and the city really felt like home. Up next, we have a story from Julieta Gilbert. Julieta told this story at an L.A. Story Slam where the theme of the night was bouncing back. Here's Julieta live at the Moth. A few weeks ago, I really didn't know if I wanted to go to the Women's March. But then I got all of these Facebook invites and texts saying things like, can I go with you? Where do I meet you? Should we take the subway? But I wasn't so sure. I mean, even if I went, what was really the point of it? You see, I am no stranger to marches. I come from Mexico City. And there we march all the time. We march when we're happy, against oppression, against injustice, for peace. We just do. <laughs> I have been in marches with six million people. And I'm not judging anyone, but um, I was in the 2006 LA Immigration March, and I only saw Latinos there. And a handful of white people that were probably married to the Latinos. <laughs> that march accomplished nothing. Nothing came out of it. So thinking about that march made me question even more wanting to go to the Women's March. Because after all, what were all of these women with all kinds of different causes were going to accomplish when we couldn't even get together to fight for just one cause? But then my friend, she told me that uh, Shepard Ferry, you know the guy that made the Obama Hope poster? That he was giving away posters. And he had made this beautiful Latina woman that I really wanted. So with this motivation, <laughs> I told my friends that I was going. My friend and I waited in that gallery for three hours like assholes. <laughs> By the time I made it all the way to the front, there were no posters, free or for sale. As I was waiting for my friends in Union Station, I was just, I just had the worst attitude because I really didn't want to be there. I mean, I didn't even get the poster that I wanted. <laughs> but then I met this seven-year-old girl. She was in a wheelchair. And she was wearing her little nasty woman t-shirt. <laughs> and her dad, I'm here because I support her rights, t-shirt. And they were so happy and so pumped that it made me feel as ashamed of myself because I was just throwing so much negativity to the world. If she could do it, so could I. I found my friends and we entered like this sea of people. Let me tell you, 
Americans do not know how to organize a march. It was a hot mess. But also the most apologetic one. Every time anybody touched me, they were like, I'm so sorry, are you okay? Can I help you? As we walked down Broadway, I saw like 30 Middle Eastern men. They had like these super long beards. And they were giving away the most delicious vegan food for free. They were not asking for anything in return. Their act of kindness blew me away. We passed it and we continued walking and at some point we were stuck, like we could not move. And I could hear these little Mexican kids chanting, La raza unida jamás será vencida. And barely anybody chanted along. But this white girl, she was like, Unida! Vencida! <laughs> and then the kids started chanting, The people united will never be defeated. And like fire, it spread in all of the street. It was magical. As I was walking towards the subway, I bumped into this girl, and she had the poster that I wanted. Hey, where did you get it? Oh, they were just giving them away. But they ran out of it. Oh. And then she just went like this with her poster. And she had another one. Do you want it? And I couldn't believe that this girl just gave me the poster that I wanted so much. Just like that. As I rode the subway back home, I was trying to digest what I had just experienced. And I was intoxicated with this sense of love, unity, support, so much humanity. This is the smallest march of my life. Only 750,000 people. but by far the most meaningful one. That was Julieta Gilbert. Julieta is a writer-producer from Mexico who moved to L.A. in 2005. She's an Emmy and Promax Award winner and also owns DFLA Films, a production company that creates content for the U.S. and Mexico, you can check out photos of Julieta at the Women's March and photos of the Shepherd Ferry poster on our website, themoth.org. And if you're based in Los Angeles and you liked this episode, the Moth main stage is headed your way on October 4th. We're going to be at the Broad Stage in Santa Monica. And for tickets and more information, just head to our website, themoth.org. That's it for us this week on the Moth Podcast. Until next time, from all of us here at the Moth, have a story-worthy week. Dan Kennedy is the author of Loser Goes First, Rock On, and American Spirit. He's also a regular host and storyteller with The Moth. 
Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly Open Mic Story Slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.